RadioInfluence.com. Why, Crusher, it's good to see you. You're listening to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, if you want to reach out, do so. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all other social media platforms. Search out Crush Performance, and we can connect there. All right, listen. Everyone is excited and fired up for the return of sport. Olympics are just over, and we are heading into the fall season. NFL camps are underway. The CFL is already playing up in Canada. We've got high school and collegiate sports set to start up here in the fall. And it's a time to most certainly be excited. But it's also a time to apply and use a little caution. We have missed an entire season of sport. And though most people have been active through this summer time, as we head into the ebb and flow of a regular fall sporting season, I think we need to use a little caution and make sure we're doing it right. So today, we are joined by Tahisha Nadu, physiotherapist at Advantage Sport Medicine. You could check them out at advantagesportmed.ca. And we're going to talk about the return to sport, the things you should be thinking about, where we need to use a little caution, but also, more importantly, what we can do to make sure we're prepared, not just to prevent injuries, but also to increase our level of performance. It's going to be a fantastic conversation. So let's get right after it. I have a lot of things I want to share with you later in the show, and I'm really looking forward to having Tahisha on to talk some shop as we address the return to sport and getting you there safely right here on Crush Performance. Stick around, everybody. It's all coming up right after this. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. There you go. Some brand new music from the boys over at Whale and the Wolf. What a fantastic sound. The single is called Throw Me a Rope. You can check it out at whaleandthewolf.com. It's on all the platforms, but boy, oh boy, what a cool sound for the guys. This band has been so much fun to follow. I really, really do appreciate music, as you guys all know, and, and what it takes to produce new music. It really fascinates me. How is it possible we get a cool new sound like this We've never heard that before. Yes, I know, notes are notes, but to put the notes together in this way with the words and the layers of the music, man, that music industry is just fascinating. And uh, Whale and the Wolf, one of my favorite bands. Well done. They're following up their last single, which was Veins. Had really great success on the charts. So uh, well done, boys. You know, just great work. So check it out if you get a chance. You know, it's so great to support all of these incredible artists who are just creating for us anyway so i want to thank those guys uh really good stuff more to come i'm sure much much more to come and i can't wait all right well speaking of what's to come 
Today on the show, we are talking the return of sport. Post-Olympics, we're heading into the fall now. All eyes are in on end of October and into September. We've got the school sports kicking off, college sports kicking off, NFL camps are underway, CFL up in Canada's rocking and rolling, the NHL season's right around the corner. The return to sport, though, have we talked about this enough? I don't think so. I have huge concerns, as I mentioned in the first segment of the show there, about our rush to compete. You know, after missing an entire season, and I do realize that, you know, everybody's been fairly active here this last summer, but this fall season, boy, oh boy, you know, if uh, kids have been away, you know, holidaying, families have been catching up and trying to fit in as much as possible because, well, we've all been locked down for over a year, we really, really do need to proceed with caution. So let's talk about it. We're joined now by Tahisha Nadu, physiotherapist at Advantage Sport Medicine. You can check out their great work at AdvantageSportMed.ca. Tahisha, welcome back to the show. You know, I have been quite concerned with the return of fall sport. Everybody's so excited to jump back in and compete. But we have to keep in mind the process of getting prepared for sport. And I think that's something that might be missing or I fear is going to be miss- missing is that something you guys might be seeing there at the clinic? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's interesting you you kind of bring this up. I've had actually recently, just in this last week and a half, probably an influx of a lot of my athletes, um, specifically those higher level ones as well, who are like more of those major AAA players or you know high level baseball players, all of that. And, and I agree, like it's it's you know during this last year and a half or so of this pandemic, I think a lot of these athletes have done a great job of trying to keep themselves in shape. But I think the reality is is that it's really hard to mimic a game. Uh, simulation or, you know, or even just practice itself without actually physically being in that situation. So again, I think my athletes have done a really good job. Their coaches, their trainers, their strength and conditioning trainers, everyone's done a great job of trying to keep them in shape. But unfortunately, I think, you know, most of us understand athletes included and all parties involved that again, it's hard to simulate that without being actually in that, uh, specific competition yeah the competitive environment brings something that just can't be trained whether it's the intensity the interaction with the players or in some in some sports the contact side but even for the weekend warriors and recreational um um side of the of the sporting environment you mentioned something that's really really important you know all those elite athletes they have as you said the physiotherapists and the strength coaches and the coaches all working together as a team a lot of the weekend warriors or young youth athletes they don't have that guidance in terms of preparation so that's something that parents and coaches at the developmental levels or the weekend warriors recreational guys really do need to think about 100 percent, yeah and i mean it's a tough situation because you know i think if you're one of those you know, more um, the higher end athlete, like the the guys who are, you know, trying to get a scholarship or, you know, if they're scouting or whatever it may be, like this is kind of what floats their boat. This is what drives them is really that sport. So there is a different motivating factor. I think for somebody like myself, where I'm a little bit more of a weekend warrior, uh, you know, to to stay in game shape during the pandemic probably isn't as high of a priority for me as maybe having my glass of wine at the end of the evening. (laughs) Yes, I think you're speaking for the masses there, Truthfully, because I totally I totally relate as much as I tried personally to stay on top of things. 
it was just really, really hard with facilities closed yeah. down and, and not, not being able to get together with my teammates and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, it was difficult. And I think now that we're, that we're sort of at that phase now sport, you know, for, for the most part, the summer sports have opened up and that's been great. Um, but we're starting to see the football camps opening up now Tahisha, the CFL is well underway, NFL camps. We know that high school and colleges are going to be opening up pretty soon. Um, the hockey programs are starting to get underway. So all these fall winter sports are, are now coming. And, and again, I, I, I'm really excited, but also I'm kind of concerned about our levels of readiness after missing an entire competitive season man like we said there's no training to replace that so so i think this is something we need to be thinking about from your perspective as a physiotherapist um you know and all the work you guys do with athletes at all all ages and and all levels of competition what are some of the things you would recommend for parents and coaches and athletes who are really looking forward to getting back into it this fall Yeah, you know, uh, it's interesting because I think a lot of us don't do a great job of this, myself included. But um, when you start doing a new activity or an activity we haven't done for a while, we really got to think about what can we do to kind of give our body that extra level of TLC because we're putting a lot more stress and strain on it than we typically would. And I think as a physio, you know, we always think about what's our active rehab program look like. And that's a big part of it because, I mean, if you're just getting passive care and there's no active component, um, clearly that's not, that's not the goal, right? Because you're not truly making changes in strength or flexibility or mobility or whatever it is. But I think the way that I try to look at it is, you know, again, I always talk about treating everybody the same, whether you're a weekend warrior, um, you know, you're a recreational person or you're a competitive elite athlete and it's what actually pays your mortgage. Uh, but I think looking at it in the sense of trying to figure out how can you A, be on the right training program so that you're setting yourself up for success. So, you know, you're looking at the stability systems. I know we've talked about this before, whether it's your neck, shoulder area, whether it's your back, your hips, your knees, your ankles. Not only that, but understanding that, guess what, regardless of what you do to prep, you're probably going to be a little bit more sore. And so I always say, you know, we have to look at it from what can we do manually or even from a passive therapy component to help transition that athlete. So for example, you know, a lot of my, you know, uh, weekend warrior soccer players are coming in and they're like, yeah, you know, nothing really happened, but all of a sudden I'm getting this, you know, lateral knee pain and I don't know where this is coming from. And, you know, you look at it and it's like, well, yeah, all your stability system shut down. But not only that, you're now overworking those compensatory muscle groups. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. And I think for our listeners, they can relate to that as well. Because, you know, in my uh, daughter's uh, soccer team that I coach, uh, we're seeing that exact scenarios. Yeah, some of the girls were exercising. No, it's a, it's a, it's not a club team. This is a community team. So they're out there just playing for fun. They love the game. Yeah. Uh, but we're seeing things happen that just shouldn't be happening. Because I think, you know, getting back into the heat of battle, uh, we're just not totally prepared. But it's interesting that... You know, to note that that when you look at how the body works, it's an incredible integrated support system. And you do have those other systems that support the main action out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always say, too, um, you know, again, we got to 
we, we care for our cars better than we do our bodies in a sense, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> most people are going to take their car for their oil change because if you don't, guess what? Bad things happen, cost a lot of money. Most people don't access care unless they're in pain, right? So unless there's been sort of some sort of trauma, whether that's repetitive use um, or whether it's an acute, you know, trauma. So I think, it, you know, if we can educate our, our athletes and not just our athletes, but anybody, I mean, even I, you know, I can transfer this over to the working environment right now with most people who have been actually working from home offices versus their actual office themselves. Like that's also been a really interesting piece of things too, because you go from having more of an ergonomic setup, a proper desk, your computer, like your monitors at the right level, you've got your keyboard at the right level. And then all of a sudden, you know, myself, when I was, you know, doing more reports at home, I'm working on my island, I'm working at a desk, I'm off my couch, I'm off my bed, right? So again, we have to look at how can we care for the body, both actively and passively. Yeah, no, we're talking with Tahisha Nadu, physiotherapist at Advantage Sport Medicine. You can check out their great information at advantagesportmed.ca. And you guys deal with all sorts of issues there from concussions to neck injuries to chronic pain and soft tissue damage. Um, Tahisha, you mentioned something incredibly important there, I think, that I just want to sort of revisit, maybe spend some time on. You're so right. We're incredibly reactive here. And I think we do really need to start changing our mindset to being a little more proactive. But proactive Mm -hmm. isn't just going out for a run. There there are so many things that you can do um, to maintain your health, but also, you know, uh, while you're maintaining your health, possibly even increase your levels of performance and whether you're recreational or competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think too, just, um, you know, going back a million years ago when I was initially in physio school, uh, I, I think we are also taught somewhat to be reactive, right? Because it, it's actually very odd. Uh, like every once in a while, I'll get somebody come into the clinic and they're like, yeah, you know, I'm, I want to run a marathon. Can you help me with that? And you're like, oh, well, do you have pain? Did you feel hurt? They're like, well, no, I haven't even started yet. I just want to make sure I don't get those things. It's a pretty cool thing to be able to help somebody through that process. And I wish that our society was better at that, accessing all of your resources to prevent something from happening. But again, in school, um, you know, we touch on preventative health, but the reality is, is because it's not thrown in your face, people typically don't access it don't access you for that preventative health, what ends up happening is, is I think we learn how to be more reactive clinicians. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes total sense. I do like the idea of, of going in for a regular tune up. You know, we had a discussion on the show, I think about six months ago, we're just talking about, you know, the value of athletes and the dollars in sports right now, which is astronomical. And then we just got sort of talking about, you know, what what truly is value in the bigger picture, right? And the conversation just took this really cool, interesting turn where, you know, we're talking about what are the most what are the most valuable commodities in the planet? And our conversation just sort of led us down a path and we just nailed it down to, you know, time and our health. There's really nothing more valuable than time and our health. And boy, oh boy, if you can have good health for the longest time possible, uh, that that's worth more than anything. And, and I like what you said about the car, because I think everybody can relate to that. And I'm one of those people. I am in for my oil chains like clockwork. Um, but I'm not necessarily in getting tuned up with you guys like clockwork. I, I, you know, I'm like everybody else, very, very active. I wait till something goes wrong. And, and that is something I think we could really, you know, start getting people to think about. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And, 
And, you know, I, I have a few of my, well, specifically my hockey players right now that are, you know, they're on the ice a lot more right now because they're prepping for their for main camps and tryouts and all that stuff, right? And so a lot of these guys that maybe throughout the last few months, you know, that have been injured in their off season and we've rehabbed them through, I was probably only touching base with them every four to six weeks. Well, now what's happening is because they're training harder, they're on ice more, I'm actually seeing them more. And it's not because their injury is worse. And I think this is where people get confused. They feel like the more I see you, the less good I'm doing. That makes sense. I'm not doing as well as I was before. And it's like, no, you're actually doing a lot better, but we're trying to get you to that next level, which means that you're putting more stress and strain. You're on the ice. Like some of these guys are on the ice as much as 10 times a week, right? right. Or even more. Some of them are doing two or three skates today right um, not to mention they're with their strength and conditioning coaches at least five days a week right on top of that they're doing some other dry line stuff right outside and their free time or they're swimming or they're playing basketball with their friends so I always look at it well you're stressing your body more so now I'm actually doing more probably passive treatments which it's funny people hear passive treatments and all of a sudden they go whoa that's not what I need you know and I think again the reality of physio is it's moved to being strictly active, which again, is the, it is a bigger part than the manual, but sometimes you need that passive treatment to allow you to get to that level so that you can be as active as you need to be. Yeah. Hey, Tahisha, for our, uh, for our audience and our listeners that might not quite understand what passive treatment is, yeah. how, how would you describe that to them? Cause you're so right. It is uh, such a critical and important part of you know readiness and recovery. Yeah. So uh, how I describe passive is it's when you actually get to just lay there and try to relax. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you might be able to speak from experience yourself. It's hard to relax through, but I mean, that's using our hands or our needles, right? So getting in there and doing some soft tissue release. So similar to some massage techniques, right? That we learn joint mobilizations to try to loosen up a stiff joint. Um, you know, using some dry needling to try to, again, loosen up those muscles. So that is where the patient is actually typically on the table and we're doing some, uh, again, primarily soft tissue joint mobilizations uh, to allow you to be able to compete at a higher level or to get you to that next level of strength. Yeah, no, and that's a great that's a great explanation for our listeners too. It's a manual therapy, dry kneeling, the passive stuff, which is great. Hey, you know, yeah. one thing, that conversation that you just, uh, that, that explanation you just sort of uh, sparked an image for me is, of course, the Olympics are underway and they're dealing with all the heat and the, the world's greatest athletes are finally getting to, you know, show off their skills and their crafts. Um, I, I just saw an unbelievable image of, you know, speaking of the passive uh, therapy. Um, it was the it was the sprinters or track athletes. I'm not sure which event this was, but it looked like it might have been the 400 or 800 or some event like this. And the uh, therapists were down with the athletes on the infield, just manipulating their feet. And they, they actually had just a little blurb about this one therapist and how the the therapist for the sprinters for the running athletes just manipulating the feet can have a massive impact on performance. So they, they check their feet regularly. And for me, I, I got all into that because I, I love that whole concept. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that we do either pre or post game and what you would do or competition, I should say, and what you, what you will do is actually often very different. Right. So, you know, I, it probably in that situation, again, I can't speak entirely to it because I'm not the one providing the care, but 
you know, they're probably doing things to their feet pre-run or pre-sprint to try to help make their foot a little bit more reactive, right? So sometimes you have to loosen up joints so that that muscle that controls that joint movement actually becomes more reactive, right? So if I'm looking at, for example, my lacrosse athletes that I'm working with pre-game, it is more of that dynamic type stretching, right? It's not that static relaxation, trying to really loosen things up. It's trying to actually activate things. Right. Whereas post-competition, what we're trying to do now is we're trying to calm everything down, settle it down, try to reduce the risk of a joint stiffening up or a muscle going into spasm. Oh, you're so right. You know, I am such a huge fan and proponent of a really structured, well-thought-out warm-up period. Not only does it reduce risk of injuries, without question, it can also really prepare your athletes for competition that day. But if it's done right... Man, oh man, what an incredible opportunity to help everybody at every level of sport develop athleticism, even with our pro guys, especially with our developing athletes. That warm-up period is important, and a well-designed cool-down is as important when it comes to reducing injuries and raising levels of readiness for the next day's training or competition. Yeah, such great stuff. Listen, everybody, we have to cut out for a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation on returning to sport. And also, let's hit on managing pain and chronic pain. What do you do if you're in pain? And how do you know whether you should continue with sport, whether you should lay off sport, or how do you know what you should do to help manage and rehab and get back to sport the way you were or even better? Let's talk about it with Tahitian Adu right after this on Crush Performance. You're listening to Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell. Get the Crush podcast, newsletter, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Hey, listen, if you have any questions, if you'd like some help or just some advice, reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at Crush Performance is our email. Hey, listen, we've got a new website coming. There's going to be a lot of new things on the website, uh, but I'm really, really excited about this. You know, technology screams along in advance, just like everything else. And what we're now able to do uh, on our websites yeah, is is incredible. So I'm really looking forward to having all these different ways that we can communicate, share ideas, and and get experts from around the world into our world uh, to share their their knowledge and help us move along. And again, for all of our new listeners, Crush Performance is all about helping you get better, helping you chase down your dreams. Whether it's a college scholarship, a, an Olympic medal a pro contract, or whether it's a personal best, or whether it's just staying healthy so you can go out and do the sports you love. That's what it's all about. It's for coaches, it's for parents, and it sure as hell is for athletes, and and we love everything that we talk about. So please do reach out. Today, we are talking the return of sport. Listen, it has been a long time since we had a regular fall return to sport. I am really excited The CFL in Canada is underway. We've got some pro football happening. Major League Baseball is wrapping up. The NBA was fantastic. NHL camps are going to open soon. And, of course, high school, 
grade school and collegiate sports going to get underway? We have to be cautious with this return to sport. And I know we've been talking about this uh, end over end, but, but I think it's just that important. After missing an entire competitive season, even if you've been training, jumping right back into competitive sport is something that I believe that is going to require a little bit of caution. And we've been having a fantastic conversation with physiotherapist Tahitian Adu from Advantage Sport Medicine. You could check them out at advantagesportmed.ca. Tahitia, you just mentioned your work with the professional lacrosse leagues. And it just got me thinking about, you know, all these different sports we're going to be playing here this fall, but also the change of surfaces. So not only do we need to get prepared for the sport we're going to play, but we also need to prepare for the environment, right? It's something that we really do need to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're absolutely right. Like it's a very, it's a very physical, aggressive contact sport. Like I don't know. I mean, and I've worked a lot of football in my past. I've worked hockey, both very aggressive and physical sports. But I I may have mentioned this before. When you're hitting somebody with hardly any equipment, running off your feet, it's very different than hitting somebody off their skates, right? So, but you're right. I mean, there's multiple different surfaces. Like some of these guys that might play in the summer leagues, if they're boxed, they're playing on concrete surfaces versus, you know, in the National Lacrosse League, we're playing on turf. But that's indoor turf. If you're playing in more of the premier lacrosse, league or the PLL down south, you're playing on outdoor grass or turf, right? So there, there's definitely, there's different shoes that these guys wear. I mean, there's different sticks, there's different helmets. There's all of these factors that you have to keep in mind, right? And for these guys, if you're playing pro in multiple leagues, you have to keep your body in tip-top shape for all of these different variables. Yeah, we're talking with Tahitian Adu, physiotherapist at Advantage Sport Medicine. Again, you can check out their great stuff and information at advantagesportmedicine.ca or sportmed.ca. Uh, we'll post that link here. Uh, Tahitian, yeah, no, this is such an important conversation for this time of year. Well, any time of year when, when sport is starting up. But this unprecedented uh, time of missing an entire competitive season, not being with your teammates, the strategy involved, also the training involved has changed quite a bit. You know, in in our programs, we have sort of a hierarchy of priorities when it comes to, you know, supporting our athletes' performance. And we always start, number one, when we design a program or we're we're planning out a program, whether it's short-term or long-term, the sleep, rest, and recovery are always our top priorities. We really do try to make sure that is maximized. And then we plug in the work, the volume, and the intensity of the work around that recovery rest time. Does that resonate with you? 100% 100% it does. It's actually funny. I had one of my AJHL players in today and we have this almost exact conversation about it. I think the interesting thing about the athlete is, especially during season or when you're ramping up, is that, you know, he was saying, like, they talked to me how I need to get eight to 10 hours of sleep, but he's like, there's actually not enough hours in the day. Um, but I, I, you know, talking with Michael Cook in the past, because of course he works with us as well, we talk about this. And, you know, he'll say, my plan might be that we're going to be loading this athlete a little bit more, and then they come in and they're dragging in their butt and then we sit down and we talk about well how much did you sleep yesterday how what is your diet been like and all of a sudden you realize that if you start loading that athlete at that particular moment or on that day that was the initial plan you might actually injure them further right you might actually create an injury that wouldn't have been there had you not loaded them so it is it, it is really interesting and i know um like 
if you're a, a high level athlete, like you understand that we talk about these optimals. So we talk about, you know, eight to 10 hours of sleep. We talk about not being on your cell phone for, you know, at least two hours before you go to bed, because of course that blue light really can disrupt your REM sleep, right? Um, we talk about eating optimally. Now, if I tell you the reality of the National Lacrosse League, it's, it's very interesting because all these guys or most of these guys have, you know, Monday to Thursday jobs or Monday to Friday jobs. They work nine to five, just like you or I would. And then and they're playing at the highest level of lacrosse possible that you can when it comes to box every weekend. So, you know, we fly in, for example, a lot of the times we'll fly into wherever it is. Let's say Atlanta. We, you know, most of us haven't eaten for most of the day because we have connections, but they're, you know, they're really tight connections. So I'm lucky if I get a booster juice in me, let alone these athletes that have to physically perform. We get on a bus, we go to our practice. Well, in Atlanta, that can take us three hours to get our practice facility. By the time we're back to the hotel, keep in mind, we've left our house probably around 4.30 to 5.30 in the morning to get to the airport. We're getting back to our hotel closer to 11.30 p.m. So, um, you know, we talk about, again, proper diet. We talk about, you know, enough sleep. None of these guys have slept. None of these guys have eaten properly, right? So these are all things that I have to keep in mind when it comes to, you know, how am I going to work with these guys? What does their training look like, right? And our coaching staff and our GM, they're awesome at, you know, understanding those things. So if it has been one of those weeks for travels and grimy and the guys have maybe slept three or four hours if they're lucky guess what they'll tweak practice because the last thing you want is you don't want a guy going down because he's exhausted yeah no no question and that's life in the trenches right there isn't that's a reality i mean if you look at uh the major league baseball schedule or the nba schedule you can look at any sport realistically and and just you get a if you really were to look at the schedules and then consider the travel time and everything that's involved and you know sleeping in hotels and eating restaurant food it is not an optimum environment in any way shape or form is it a hundred percent it's not I, and you know we, we, do, we talk about this all the time because I think you know scientifically we know better we know how to set our athletes up for the, for the you know best possible outcome but the reality is is that pro sport is entertainment so you're you're kind of finding this balance of player health but then also being able to entertain people like you and I that are you know I'm not going to watch a game at two o'clock because I'm still with a patient so you know the game I'm going to watch is you know when I'm winding down and probably eating dinner right so even just timing of meals becomes interesting especially when it comes to game day but you're absolutely right I think that's what maybe some people don't understand is um you know their body really is what pays their paycheck right I mean that's what if they if if they're falling apart they're not getting paid so you know it's the stress that these guys go through and they still are able to perform at that level and I think a lot of it comes to a lot of pre-planning that we try to do with them right and it's not perfect but you do your best yeah right and that is the key right there you've got to do your best with what you have we're talking with the Hichinadu physiotherapist at advantage sport medicine and physiotherapy um you know it, it is interesting you know we talk about the levels of readiness and and just helping our athletes perform at their best you know with the greatest of intentions i see this i think more often than not uh, parents who are trying to create opportunities for their kids or if you have a young athlete who's just passionate about a sport um, it's really, really easy to fall into that trap that you kind of mentioned, you know, where you have your coach, maybe you're playing on two teams and then you have a strength coach and then you have maybe a skills coach on the side. All of a sudden you're putting in twice as much time as our pro athletes would. And not only that, they might have a part time job and then they have homework. 
So, yeah. so sometimes this is maybe one of those really, really important times that where you have to realize, you know, more is not better. Because when you get into that fatigue state, you hit the nail on the head, I think. You're at a higher risk of injury and maybe at a higher risk than you might ever imagine. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, we do talk about this, like we had this, um, this elite track athlete and, you know, he's, he was probably from a hurdling standpoint, like one of the best in the province for sure. And, um, developed this repetitive youth injury. There was no acute trauma to it. And, you know, we break things down and you look at his training schedule and you're like, okay, so that just from one club is a lot. And then you put in the fact that you're playing, you know, basketball and you're also hanging out with your friends and maybe going and playing basketball there or playing recreational football or whatever it is. And there is such a thing as overtraining. And again, overtraining sometimes can be probably just as detrimental as those other factors, lack of nutrition, lack of sleep, because it really is all about the big picture. So those are some conversations that you do have to have with parents sometimes. And, you know, I think that the more challenging thing being in the private world versus when I'm with my actual team is, is that, you know, again, at our clinic, we do have athletic therapists, physiotherapists, kinesiologists, sport med docs, and we have strength and conditioning coaches. But that doesn't mean that everybody has all of their practitioners under our roof. So that's where it becomes challenging because their SNC coach might be telling them something different and their, you know, trainer for their team might be telling them something different. So now you're getting six or seven different messages. And, you know, what does this family do? They're trying to please everyone, right? So it is something that we really try to have a good conversation with the athletes and, of course, the parents as well, and just sort of try to discuss and paint a picture for them as to, you know, we probably actually might be better if we cut out just one or two of these things. But then there's that balance that you need these kids to socialize. So I try to never pull the social time with their friends because that's really important. Yeah, social time and play. Just unstructured, just unstructured, unsupervised play, whether it's on the basketball court, you know, and what we've done is we we've actually gotten to the point where we actually we just schedule that time in, you know, we just make sure that's part of the weekly schedule. Cause you're right. Listen, everybody, the body operates on a 24 hour cycle day to day. You can manage it day to day. And there's so much you can do when you understand it. And, and boy, oh boy, when you organize things and you see how, how much you can really cut out to get results. Oh, it kind of gets fun. Like I, I really enjoy that part of optimizing performance, whether it's a, a weekend warrior, certainly developing athletes, but even with our fine tuned pros, you know, when you can, when you can sort of, sort of um, whittle things away down to a minimum, it's incredible how powerful it is for performance outcomes. And I think that's what a lot of people just have never had the chance to really experience. A hundred percent. Yeah, no. And, and it's interesting when somebody is on uh, like a strict regimen, you see that that plan is where as you get closer and closer to competition, it's not about heavy lifting. It's not about putting all those stresses on your body. It's actually about recovery leading up to it. Yeah, yeah no, it's fantastic. And I guess, you know, we, we, this whole conversation, just fantastic stuff to And, you know, it really does sort of reinforce why I love the Olympics so much. You know, these athletes have yeah. been training for this single event, everything in their lives has been built up to this single event. And, and, you know, at the Olympics, I truly believe we are seeing, you know, as close to the peak of human performance as we'll ever see in sport. And I just, I, I, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to see. And again, you're absolutely right. Like these high level athletes, these Olympians, these pro athletes, like it really is all encompassing. I remember talking to our former quarterback, um, Mike Riley, and he was talking about how, you know, 
it's interesting in life, he said, his whole life has really been about football and even just going to the movies, it's should I have that bag of popcorn or not, right? It's all of these things and, you know, our captain with the rush, Chris Corbeil, like you want to talk about the epitome of health and fitness, that is the guy. And you should see how methodical he is. He actually had to have surgery at one point and was on, um, you know, blended food diet. And it was really interesting how, um, you know, how methodical and how well thought out it was for him. Because again, if he didn't have enough protein, whether that was, you know, pureed chicken, as gross as that sounds, he had to think about all the muscle mass he would lose. And then what happens come up to the next season, right? So. Yeah. Nope. I, I love it. Yeah. And that's exactly how it goes. Oh, so many conversations to have. Well, I think we've accomplished our goals here today, talking about return to sport. A lot of really good things that, that people can consider here. And again, you guys, if you want to check out the great information, go to advantagesportmed.ca. Uh, lots of great information there and also uh, contact information. Tahisha, listen. Thanks so much for this conversation. There's going to be many, many more to come. I know with you and everybody down there at Health Point and Advantage Sport Medicine Physiotherapy, really appreciate your insights today. Thanks so much for having us. It's always a pleasure. All right, there you go, everybody. Let's return to sports safely. Have to thank Tahisha for that incredible conversation. There is so much great information in that conversation, and you can go back and listen to it as many times as you want, and please do share it with your teammates, your organization, your team, your fellow coaches, certainly parents, parents of athletes is some something you need to consider is, you know, making sure your young athlete is prepared for sport. But listen, for the pro guys as well, it's no different. Okay, the pro guys really need to prepare themselves for that level of competition. And again, there are layers to this whole thing. When we talk about preparing for the return to sport, it's a very different conversation for a young grassroots athlete though maybe the theme might be the same there are different things we might focus on as opposed to maybe a 13 14 or 15 year old or or an athlete who's decided to take maybe the high performance pathway shooting for their high school varsity teams or a college scholarship or our minor league pro players getting ready for a fall winter season or our professional athletes who are getting ready for training camps okay each one of those levels There are different things we need to consider when it comes to preparing for our return to sport. But the theme is the same. Get prepared. Like as an example, okay, for our elite pro guys, you know, we definitely are preparing them for the demands of the sport. So let's see, you know, football is coming up. So take our offensive linemen. And, you know, one of my favorite positions in all of sport to train for is the offensive linemen. What a strategic, really disciplined position that is in all of sport you know if I think of the top athletes that I've worked with the squash players the world the world ranked squash players oh boy oh boy they are incredible athletes you would prepare those two different athletes very differently for the return to sport because the sports are so different and then the position the offensive lineman their position inside the sport is also very unique right? As opposed to the quarterback or the running back or the defensive line, right? So, so all these intricacies come into play. And while the pro guys are focusing more on injury prevention, fine tuning their skill set and applying their skills to sport at the grassroots, we might just want to get them back in shape again so they can go out and enjoy and learn creating coachable athletes at that level. So 
there are different layers to this conversation, but the theme is the same. If we're going to return to competition, we had better be prepared to play. And that is something that is missing in our developmental sports across, across sport and around the world. Every country I've gone to is facing the same issues, but it's an easy fix. Listen, we overcompete. Man, oh man. Again, I joke around, but sometimes I might not be joking. I don't know. Maybe I, I am joking, okay? But, but, but I am serious about this statement, okay? We need to adjust our developmental sporting um, um, landscape. We're so focused on competition, and it's so wrong. Oh, it's so wrong. There are levels and times to focus on competition. At every level, you need competition. Don't get me wrong. But the importance of competition and what you get out of competition you have to evaluate that because there are sports that take away more than they give back. I mean, think about it. What could we use as an example? Um, you know, if we take a hockey game as opposed to a really well-designed hockey practice, I don't care what age group you're talking about, eight, nine-year-olds, 10, 11-year-olds, 15, 16-year-olds. If you can compare the amount of development that happens in a game as opposed to a good 90-minute practice, there is no comparison. The kids that have more practice are going to be better hockey players. That's just how it is. Baseball is another game that actually probably takes more than it gives back. It's very hard to get good at baseball if all you do is play the game. If you're playing on three teams and, you know, if you're trying to squeeze in a practice and strength training behind the scenes, one, you're probably overscheduled. And two, you're probably competing so much. So while you might be okay in games, there will be a ceiling that you're going to hit that you will not be able to break through. You just won't. Where the other kids who are maybe not playing as much, maybe practicing more, maybe playing multiple sports, they're going to crash through that ceiling when they reach it. And they're going to get to the next level. If you think about the game of baseball, for example, for anybody who's played, and this is just an example, you don't have to be a baseball player to appreciate what we're saying, but it's to go, it's to sort of express in, in, and explain uh, the statement that some sports do take more than they give back. A game of baseball, look at the average infielder in a nine-inning game, okay, maybe a shortstop or second baseman. You know, if they get four or five balls hit to them in a game, that's a busy day. Where in a great, well-designed 90-minute practice, they might take a couple hundred balls with feedback and learning involved. Now, when you get to the older levels of sport, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, and onwards, okay, competition is more important because that's where you need to apply your skill set in, in the game environment, right? So we have these levels. You know, we have, we have train to train, Right, where you're training so you're fit enough and healthy enough that you can actually train, both physically and in the sport, technically and tactfully. And then you have train to compete. So now this is where the athlete gets to a phase where, okay, they're pretty well established physically. They've got a pretty good skill set in their sport. And now we need to start applying that you know, in the game. So we're training to compete. So now we're trying to transfer everything that we've learned into the game environment and outcomes here. The game environment outcomes really aren't that important, though we put so much emphasis on the scoreboard. It really does set a lot of athletes back. It truly does. All right. So we got to be careful there for sure. But then you get up to the 
next stage of development and you've trained to compete now so you know how to compete now you gotta compete to win that's what it's all about how do you overcome adversity and how do you strategically make moves that are going to help you you know really compete against your competition okay trained to win and that can be applied to everybody whether they're interested in the high performance pathways or whether they're just playing for fun that's part of the developmental process from there listen this is where the great divide happens for those athletes where they've caught fire and they love a sport and they want to pursue a high performance pathway they they really do go that way and then for everybody else who you know might have different interests or other desires or sports just something they do for fun we want those people to stay in sport for the rest of their lives. But unfortunately, because our system is so misconstrued and dysfunctional, we're losing so many people along the way. It's because our emphasis and our stages are just out of order, or, or maybe we just skip over them. Okay. And I've got a term for that, man. And we are terrible across the board humans. I'm talking about, we're absolutely terrible about wanting to rush into things. And skip the fundamentals, all right? And just get to the good stuff. Well, the good stuff really isn't that good. It can't be that good unless you've gone through the fundamentals. So so there you have it, my two cents for today. Fantastic conversation. I want to thank Tahisha Nadu, physiotherapist at Advantage Sport Medicine. Once again, a fantastic conversation. Hey, coming up in the next few weeks, speaking of the return of college sport, massive changes in the NCAA landscape Those athletes can now earn money. Let's talk about it. We'll be joined by Adam White, the CEO of Front Office Sports. I follow Front Office Sports. You can check them out, frontofficesports.com, but I follow them. I get their little daily updates newsletter, and it's about the business of sports. I find it really, really fascinating because it's it's an integral part of the sporting landscape from grassroots, of course, right up to the pros. Uh, And Front Office Sports, they do a wonderful job. But they actually had a course that I saw um, uh, called Athlete Marketing Essentials, looking at the new NIL rules, the name, image, and likeness rules at the NCAA, where athletes can now go out and use their fame and celebrity and standing in the community to make some money while they go to school. And why not? The NCAA is generating billions and billions and billions of dollars. None of it going to the athletes. Yes, there's scholarships. I get that and I appreciate it. That's a big part of it. But boy, oh boy, to let these athletes earn some money while they can, you know, we're going to talk about the numbers. How many athletes actually make it to pro sport? Well, you've probably seen the numbers. We're going to revisit that, though. But you might be surprised how many collegiate athletes, NCAA athletes, go on to continue their sporting career at the pro level. It is a small, small number. And you know that old saying, make hay while the sun is shining? Well, in the world of sport, the sun doesn't shine that long. So I'm really, really happy about this, this move. And we're going to talk to Adam about what it means and how athletes can actually go make money uh, while they're going to school. Absolutely great conversation and a great move and shift in the sporting landscape. All right. So that's it for today, everybody. Again, thanks to Tahisha. Thanks to you. Get out there now. Go have some fun. Stay safe. Get a little better. and We'll talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. Don't forget to ride. I'm Jerry Tuck, CEO of Radio Influence. I just wanted to take a quick moment to say thank you for downloading and subscribing to this podcast. There are a lot of people behind the scenes here at Radio Influence that work hard to keep you entertained day in and day out. 
you'd like to get involved and advertise on this program, or you have some show ideas that you'd like to see us add to the Radio Influence family, please email us at contact at radioinfluence.com. We all have crazy schedules, so the fact that you took time out of your busy day to let us entertain you for a while means a lot. Without you, the listeners, we wouldn't exist. So thank you again for downloading and subscribing to this show. Don't forget to check out RadioInfluence.com to see what other shows we also have to offer. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and of course, RadioInfluence.com. <laughs>